Hello and welcome to Reliance's podcast. We hope that the message encourages your heart today. If you'd like to join us in person, we meet weekly on Sunday mornings at 8, 9.30, or 11 o'clock a.m. And if you want to find out more about Reliance, come check us out online. Amen. Okay, first of all, it's good to have you. If this is uh, your first time uh, at Reliance, um, we love to call you family. So welcome to the family. Um, uh, man, it's uh, last couple of weeks, we've had different people come in and give a message. Two weeks ago, we had two seniors give the word. They were awesome. And then last week, my sister-in-law, Bree, gave the word on Mother's Day. Did she not bring a heated word? It was so good. In fact, I had a couple of people lean over and go, you've lost your job. I was like, okay. Well, there's that. Um, so I want to I wanna jump back into a series that we, we've started. It, it, it's called Kingdom Come. We've been focusing all things on the kingdom of God. There's a reason for this. Jesus spent his whole ministry talking about the kingdom of God. He said, repent for the kingdom of God is near. And then he's going to give us all the principles of what the kingdom of God is. He's going to die on the cross. He's going to resurrect after three days. He's going to be around for 50 days in his resurrected body. And you know what he's going to preach on? Everybody say the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God. So it's a big deal. And so because it's such a big deal, and next Sunday is Pentecost Sunday, when the Holy Spirit was poured out, we want to continue to talk about the kingdom of God. And I'll tell you why. Because on Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit was poured out, it was believers now not just believing in the kingdom, but empowered now to live out the kingdom. Because there's a difference between believing in the things of God and living the things of God out. Amen? You can have a thought and a belief about God, or you can have that thought and belief become a living reality in your life. There's a big difference. So on Pentecost, the Holy Spirit's going to come in, and he's going to ignite the belief in their hearts into action. Do you know how many people Jesus, when he was resurrected, do you know how many people Jesus revealed himself to and called to come to the upper room? Everybody say 500. 500 people were invited to the upper room. Do you know how many people showed up in the upper room? 120. 500 were invited, 120 showed up, and when they showed up, they experienced a new reality in the Holy Spirit. Let me share something with you, church. God's not worried about numbers. He's worried about your obedience. What he wants is your obedience. He's not worried about the numbers. He wants the obedience. And when the obedience is there, he'll pour out his spirit. And when he pours out his spirit, you'll come into a new reality. And that's what I want to talk about today. That new reality is called the kingdom reality. I want to talk about the kingdom reality of who God is or having a kingdom mindset. What does it look like to have a kingdom reality or a kingdom mindset? And I want to do this on the front side of Pentecost. I mean, I want to get this before next week. I want to catch this on the front side of Pentecost. Because at Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit is poured out, he brings a new kingdom reality to our life. The scales fall off. We can see, like Paul did when he caught a revelation of Jesus, there was something new that he saw that he'd been walking before. And so then all of his writings, all the letters are going to be things like, I pray of the, uh, uh, from the spirit of wisdom and revelation to, that he would open the eyes of your heart. Constantly then scripture is about getting your eyes opened. Not your physical eyes, but your spiritual eyes. Constantly it's about getting your spiritual eyes open to the things of God. And so... So really the question today is what kingdom have we been living in? What kingdom reality have we been dwelling in? How many guys have ever uh, played with those VR virtual reality glasses? Anybody in the house? All right, handful. Of, we, we, we geek out together. Awesome. So um, my, my brother bought a pair of those uh, about a year, year and a half ago. And then my 70-year-old father bought a pair recently. Lord have mercy. Right? And I'm just telling you, like, our, this is how I know our world is going downhill. All right? 
My 70-year-old father likes to sit on the floor and play with his virtual reality glasses at the farm. And um, he's sitting there with these big goggles on, and he's going like this in the middle of the floor, right? And I'm like, Dad, what are you doing? He goes, I'm painting. And I go, you are weird, man. And, and he goes, well, my painting is beautiful, right? Because it's such a reality. When you put those goggles on, it's such a reality. It opens you up to a place that you're sitting in that looks so real. There's that one app that you can put on there that's called Walk the Plank. Anybody ever done the Walk the Plank one? And you, you walk out on this plank and then you jump off from like a tall building. Now everybody who puts them on knows that you're in your living room in that moment. You know that you're in your living room. But it feels so real when you're looking over. Your heart starts racing. Like tangible things in your body. Some people sweat. Like your body starts reacting to what you're seeing right here, even though you know in reality you're standing in your living room. And then you jump off of the plank from this tall building, and literally so many people actually hit the ground because you freak out because it feels so what? I would say real. It feels so real. Well, the same thing is that, that, that happens when you put those virtual reality glasses on is the same thing what the flight simulators feel like when you're over there at flight safety. A couple weeks ago, my brother and I and Matt had a chance to go with a guy named Scott, um, and he teaches over there, and he goes, do you guys want to fly in one of the flight simulators? And I was like, absolutely. Can we break it? Oh, no, we can't? All right, we're in then, right? And so you climb in this huge box. It's just this like huge box that you climb in, and every aspect of it looks like a real cockpit of a jet. Every aspect of it, every control, every knob, every part of it looks like you're in the cockpit of a jet. That's why guys can get in that, gals can get in that and learn to fly without even getting in a real one to start. And then it's on these hydraulic systems, so you feel every tilt and you feel every move and every tip. You feel if you wreck, you feel a hard landing. I mean, we blew the phones off of the wall. Like, everything feels real in that moment. I got a couple of clips of what this looks like, all right? Can you show that first one? Very relaxed. It feels real, bro. It feels real. You don't want me to be a pilot, by the way. Okay, let's go down this valley over here. This, this would be an absolute great analogy for how the enemy lies to you. It's not real, but it feels so real. Mm. Caution. Terrain. Yeah, we... And then we got one more. So there's a cliff. There's a cliff at the end of this runway. What are we doing? Master warning. What are we doing? Brother. Brother. I feel queasy. And right there, right there, I peed my pants just a little. Just a little. I'm just, I, I want you to know something. In that moment, I know I'm in a simulator. I get it. I walked into it. I'm not an idiot, all right? I walked into it, but the whole time that I'm in that simulator, it feels so real. I know I'm not going to die going off the cliff, but I feel like I'm going to die going off the cliff. You guys know what I'm talking about. And something the Lord showed me so vividly when I got out of that simulator, it was crazy. He said to my heart how easy it is to get stuck in a reality I was never supposed to be in. How easy it is to get stuck in a reality that I was never supposed to be in. Listen, I want you to hear this today if you hear nothing else. There are so many believers that are stuck in a reality that we've been called out of. When we came into Christ, he changed our reality. Somebody say amen. And we're stuck in a reality that we've been called out of. Like we feel like we're in a simulator called life. 
we feel like we're in this simulator called life. And I'm trying to captain this thing, and I'm trying to steer this thing, and I'm trying to fly this thing, and all I'm doing is crashing, and I'm going off cliffs. Does anybody resonate with that in life right now? So here I am in this simulator called life, and I can't get it down. I can't figure it out. And then I'm asking the Lord, Lord, you, I can't figure out this simulator called life, and yet you say in John 10, 10, that I'm called to live an abundant life, but I'm not seeing these two things match up. What in the world's happening? And he's going, you're living in the wrong reality. You're living in the wrong reality. You have the wrong mindset. And so here's what I, I want to share with you today and why I believe God is speaking this to our heart. Which reality are you staking your life to? Are you staking your life to the reality of this world that's passing away? Are you staking your life to the reality of the kingdom which is present and is coming again? Listen, when the kingdom of God comes upon us, everything changes. That's why as believers, when we go from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of Jesus, everything changes. Realities are different. Mindsets are different. Values are different. Our pursuits are different. And I want to show you this. I want to give you a little background of why I want to set this up, why I think this is so important. You've heard the term before. We are called to be in the world, but not. So here we are, in the world, but not of the world. That's a big deal. In the world, but not of the world. So our backdrop in our Christian life always has to go back to Genesis and see what God's original plan is. That's why Genesis, you can never get rid of the Old Testament, all right? Jesus is all through it, and you get to see God's design in Genesis where his original design is important because it reveals his heart to us. So whenever you go back to the backdrop of Genesis, what you see is this. His plan and his ways are perfect. God does not make mistakes. We do. Amen? So we see that God doesn't make mistakes. He had a perfect plan, and here's what it was. Union with him in one accord. Beautiful union with him. Here's what his plan was. No fear. Adam didn't even have fears. No worries. They didn't have worries. They had rule and dominion. They had an everlasting joy. They had peace that surpassed all things. They had a hope and a love in this place called the garden before the fall. So we go, okay, this was your desire. We broke it. We broke it. Mankind broke it. All sorts of junk enters in. We've got pride now. We've got greed. We've got hatred and fear and strife and envy and sexual immorality. We've got death. We've got disease. We've got hardship, so on and so forth. You know what I'm talking about. All these things come in. And then Jesus goes, so I'm going to come and I'm going to fix it. I'm going to come in. I'm going to redeem it. What you broke and allowed in, I'm going to come in and fix it and redeeming it. And by him coming in and fixing it and redeeming it, he starts to sanctify our hearts back into the original reality in which we were created in. Let me say that again. When we come into Christ, or rather he comes into us, there was an original order, there was an original reality, there was an original mindset that we were created with. Sin comes in, we get stuck in a simulator called life. Feels real, man, sweat's coming, heart's pounding, but then Jesus comes in and he changes us, he's sanctifying us to change our hearts and our mindsets back into his reality of the kingdom and not the reality of the world. Amen? Now let me tell you what I mean by this. In John 17, Jesus prays the high priestly prayer, we always talk about the unity part, but look what he says, I have given them your word. And the world has hated them because they are not of what? The world. You're not of the world. Somebody say, I'm not of the world. Do you believe that? 
I'm not of the world. So then he's going to say these words. There was a, so, so there was a time when we were of the world before we knew him. We, that's all we knew was the ways of the world. That's when we were in greed and pride and sexual immorality and all the, the wonkiness that comes with the world. Then Jesus comes in. He starts to restore my heart. And now when pride rises up, I start to recognize it. And I go, man, that shouldn't be there. When, when something hits my heart, jealousy rises up in me. I'm like, I recognize that. That's not supposed to be there. There was a time I never recognized it. It, it didn't even, it wasn't even a concept in my mind. And then God's kingdom comes in, starts revealing some things to my heart, starts changing some things in my heart. And so Jesus says, they are not of the world, just as I'm not of the world. Verse 15, I do not ask that you take them out of the world. So here we are, we're in the world, but not of the world. He's like, I don't want them out of the world. There's still things that they need to do. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not. If you didn't understand the first time, he's going to say it again. They are not of the world. You're just simply not of the world if you're in Christ. You're living in a new kingdom. And in that new kingdom, there's a new reality. Listen, just as I'm not of the world. And then he's going to tell us how do we live in this new kingdom? How do we live in this new reality? How do we live in this new mindset? He's going to tell us in verse 17. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is what? Truth. So when you and I came into Christ, or rather when Christ came into us, and he starts to reorder our hearts where there was pride and selfishness and selfish ambition and sexual morality and all of the things that come with the world, he comes in, begins to reorder us into his reality, which is his word. So now all of a sudden, we're being sanctified with God's word that tells us God's reality from God's kingdom. Now here's the thing, the world doesn't like this. Because it's in a simulator mode. And it's different. And so God comes in to reorder us with his reality. Now, all of that to say, now because of that, here's the good news. So we're being sanctified with the truth. We're falling into God's kingdom, which is radically different than the world's kingdom. Now because of this, watch this. Since we are not of the world, look at Colossians 3.1. If then you have been raised with Christ, <clears throat> everybody say seek. Seek the things that are above. Now there's a new seeking in our hearts. I'm not looking down. I'm not looking out. Everybody say, I'm looking up. I'm looking up. The new rhythm of my life in the kingdom of God for a kingdom mindset, for a kingdom reality, the new rhythm of my life is I'm not looking down. Oh, woe is me. Life sucks. Everything's bad. Everything's terrible. I'm not looking out going, Oh, maybe, maybe there's a hope for me. I'm looking up going, I know you're my hope. Everything begins to change when we look up. Now look, look, here, here's what he's going to say. Seek the things above. I love the new NLT says it like this. Set your minds on the realities of heaven. Where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Now look at verse 2. Set your minds. Now we're not just seeking, now we're setting. Set your minds on things that are where? <clears throat> Everybody say it. Set your minds on things that are above. Now, when you set your mind on something, it means you order your life around accomplishing whatever you set your mind on. So if I set my mind that I'm going to go hike a mountain, I'm going to set all my realities around the idea that I'm going to hike that mountain. So the Lord says, set your mind on the realities of heaven. Set your mind on things above, not on things that are on the earth. 
how crazy it is that the Lord sees a different reality and a different mindset in us when he comes into us that our eyes are supposed to be off of what's in front of me on the earth, what's below me, but my eyes are supposed to be on what's above me. I'm supposed to set my eyes on the realities of heaven. For you, verse 3, have died. Now he's going to tell us what this looks like. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Now here's one of my favorite verses, verse 4. When Christ, who is your life, he's not a part of your life. Christ isn't your buddy. He's not the big guy up there. He's not one of those guys you kind of carry around with you. Christ is your life. Is that good news? Because if Christ is your life, you've got real life. You've got eternal life. And there's hope, man. So when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him <clears throat> in glory. Let's do just a little bit of work on this. It starts off with the contingency phrase, if then you were raised with Christ. You and I first have to know that everything hinges on this theological truth, that it starts with Jesus. Listen, it starts with Jesus. He was raised, therefore I'm raised. If he was raised, somebody say, I was raised. If he was raised, I was raised. Now here's the beautiful thing about that. The one who raises you, the one who lifts you up, the one who redeems your life gets to set the realities now in your life. My opinion doesn't matter anymore. The way I've always operated doesn't matter anymore. My thoughts of how things should work don't matter anymore. Let me put it this way. Your parents, if you grew up in your parents' house, they set the reality of your home. Do I hear an amen? You know how I know that? Because my dad used to use a phrase. I brought you into this world, I can. Yes, he could. Yes, he could. So he was going, I don't care what your reality is, this is the reality of this home. The one who saved you and redeemed you and lifted you up from the grave, the one who breathed life into you gets to set a new reality in your life. This is important. And so now, now that I've got this new reality in my life, now I know what my new position is. I've got a new position. Look at verse 3 again. You've died. This is my position. You've died. Your life is hidden with Christ. When Christ, who is your life, this is my position. Jesus is my life. This is my position. When Jesus, who is your life, also appears, you also will appear with him in glory. So the eyes now in which I see through is not the lens of Aaron. It's the lens of Christ. That changes everything. Because Jesus was never shaken. There was no mountain that shook him. There was no fear that got him. There was nothing that gripped his heart. Jesus was unshakable. Do I hear an amen to that? And now he's giving me those eyes to be able to see through that lens. Now here's the deal. How many of you guys know that heaven's perspective, heaven's vantage point, heaven's reality is much better than your vantage point? Anybody know that? Okay. Like, like let me give you heaven's vantage point for just a minute. If I want to know the vastness of the Grand Canyon, I don't hike down it and then look up. Wow, these walls are really, really tall, right? Like I'll never understand the vastness of the Grand Canyon by being in the valley and trying to look up. The greatest place for you and I to understand the vastness and the beauty and the magnitude of the Grand Canyon is to get in a high position and look down, amen? And then all of a sudden, Everything changes in your perspective. When you're in the valley of the Grand Canyon trying to look up, you feel so tiny and minuscule, and you're like, 
I don't know, I mean, it's okay, but it's just sheer walls. It doesn't look very beautiful, and man, it's just really just kind of one of these places. I'm just kind of stuck down in here. I don't know why everybody's raving about the Grand Canyon. I'm just stuck miles and miles. Have you ever hiked that? It stinks, man. Like, going down, awesome. Going up is like kind of the pit of hell, right? And, but when you're down there and you're looking up, you're like, I don't know what everybody's talking about. But when you get up on the high places and you can look down and you see that it goes for miles and miles, all of a sudden that valley experience that you're in doesn't seem so big because you've got heaven's advantage now. And so I want you to put that in your spiritual life for a minute. That place that you're at right now where you're going, man, I just feel like I'm in a valley of despair and a valley of trouble and a valley, valley of discouragement. When you start to get heaven's vantage point, the reality of the kingdom, when you start getting a mindset of Christ and looking down, all of a sudden what you see is he's so much bigger than the thing you're walking through right now. And that perspective changes everything. Some of us need a new vantage point. We need to look up. Some of us need a new vantage point. We need to go up. Because when we look up and we go up, he changes everything. Look, Ephesians 2.6. Ephesians 2.6 says these words. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ. Listen, man, there's this thing about being raised with Christ and seated us. Doesn't say will seat us doesn't say will seat us, it says he seated us with him. Where? Where does it say? Where? He seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we're united with Christ. So now our vantage point is how Jesus sees. And if our vantage point is how Jesus sees, start to look at things through the lens of Jesus, what we know is this, I'm an overcomer, I'm going to be okay. We start to look through the lens of Aaron, I'm stuck in a simulator going off a cliff, maybe tinkling a little bit, right? It's a big difference. It's huge. It's huge. He seated us with him in the heavenly places where united with Christ Jesus. Look, what David, what David says in scripture, like David's chased, he's got spears being thrown at him, he's got enemies trying to come after him constantly. Like David is in constant attack. Read the Psalms. Oh, my enemies are advancing, my enemies are, like he's got constant things coming against him. But David knew the kingdom reality and the kingdom posture of his heart was to look up. Somebody say look up. David was constantly looking up. Look what he says in Psalm 17. Other men have their portion in the world. In other words, other men, they find like the world and their perception and their reality and their mindset from the world. But this is what David says. As for me... All be satisfied when I behold your face. How do you behold the face of God? How was he beholding the face of God? Everybody say, look up. As for me, when I behold your face and get my eyes off of this world, get my eyes off the spears being thrown at me, as for me, when I behold your face and I awaken in your likeness, that's when I'll be satisfied. This is what a joyful heart of liberation looks like. Enemies coming against me. Everything creeping in on me, David's going, ah, oh, I've been liberated from those things because I just simply look up and I see you. When we look from the vantage point of heaven, what we see is we see the goodness of God 
that he died for me, that he defeated death, death was over me, he defeated death, that by his stripes we are healed. We are healed for all of eternity, meaning we have eternity written on our hearts. Here's the problem. So our issue is this. We have a reality that keeps me in a simulator that makes me feel like everything in that simulator is life. So I crash, I burn. That's just the way it is. I can't land and I crash, I burn. I go off a cliff, I'm dead. I got warning signs going off like crazy. Do you hear all those warning signs? I was telling our flight instructor, it was boss, I was like, that, that makes me a little bit afraid. He's like, ah, just ignore it. I was like, oh, right? So we've got these warning signs because we're stuck in this simulator. And here's the issue. If you want to just boil it down, the issue is we have such a temporary perspective in our reality that we don't have an eternal perspective. We only see here and now. That's all we see. Because our eyes are right here and now, here and now. Marriage is broken, never going to get fixed. My kids are wayward, never going to come home. My, my, my anxiety is out the roof. My, my, my fear is just going crazy. My, my finances are out of control. My addiction, I'll never break it. We've got everything right in front of us. And because it's right in front of us, we're stuck. And we're like, I'm never going to get out of it. Well, we won't get out of it until we have an eternal perspective with a heavenly viewpoint. Amen? So how, how, how do we get this vantage point? Like, how do we get there? Well, number one, we said it, being sanctified with the word. And then in John 15, Jesus is going to talk about he, he's the vine, we're the branches. And he's like, when the branches are stuck to the vine, he said, just uh, uh, stick to the vine. Just be stuck to the vine. You're going to produce much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. But then he gets this part in John 15. He says something beautiful in John 15, 11. So as we're, here we are, he's the vine. We're stuck to him as the branch. And here's what he says. I have told you this so that my joy, the joy of the alpha, the omega, and the beginning and the end. I want you to hear this. The joy of the one who has no beginning and who has no end. The joy of the one who can't be shaken. The joy of the one who's never tasted fear. The joy of the one that no enemy could ever defeat. The joy of the one that when he breathed breath, he formed the universe. That joy is now the joy that he says, I want to put my joy in you. Are we getting this? Nothing else matters when the joy of the Lord is in you. When God's joy comes in you, he says, I want to put my unshakable joy inside of you. And he says these words, my joy may be in you and that your joy may be, what's the word he uses? Oh my gosh, complete joy. Yeah, but what about when, you know, the, the thing comes against me? What about when things don't line up? What about when my circumstance dictates? What about when the warning signs are going off? What about when the cliff comes? He goes, I just told you your joy is complete. Why? Because you have an eternal perspective. You have a mindset of heaven. You have a vantage point of heaven looking down going, I have eternity with him. Church. This should shake us as believers to the core and go, Lord, this is the answer that I've been looking for in my life and my trials that I've been walking through. Nobody, I'm telling you, nobody in here is going, hey, man, just your trials, just, you should just love them, right? I mean, I get it, he says, consider it pure joy, but nobody likes that. But he's going, what are those trials doing? What are those trials trying to get us to? I'm going to talk about it here in just a second. So when we are tethered in, look. When his joy is in us, Jesus, we said it, never feared. He didn't worry about death because he defeated death. He didn't worry about food because he multiplied his food. Come on, amen? amen. Jesus wasn't offended because he knew who he was. 
Let me give you an example of this. There was these guys um, in 2 Kings, 2 Kings uh, chapter 6, verse 17. There was these guys. One was Elisha and the other was his servant boy. And if you remember the story, Elisha was a prophet of the Lord and God would download on him and all the armies that were coming against Israel, they would get defeated because of Elisha. So this one king brought all of his army against Elisha and the servant boy. I love this message. We've mentioned this many times in here. And they surround Elisha and his servant boy. And his servant boy wakes up one morning and the army is encamped around them. And he's like, Elisha, Elisha, there, there, are, there, there are men around us. There's an army around us that's here to kill us and destroy us. He saw with his eyes this simulated reality. There are men out there to kill us. And Elisha wakes up. And Elisha says something just absolutely profound. Elisha prayed a prayer. Oh Lord, open his eyes so that he may see. And I'm like, he does see. Like his vantage point is there's an army there. That's real, right? But it wasn't kingdom reality real. Elisha says, no, 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 no. Open the eyes of your servant. He wasn't talking about opening his physical eyes. He wanted his spiritual eyes to be open. And look what happened. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes. And he looked and he saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire around Elisha. How many guys know that the armies of the Lord will always defeat the armies of man? How many guys know that the armies of the Lord will always defeat the armies of Satan? So all of a sudden, it wasn't that there wasn't an army camped around them. It was that this young boy needed a kingdom reality and a heavenly mindset and a different vantage point. And when he saw what God saw, he began to see God's armies overwhelmed the army of the man that was sitting around him. Here's what happened. That army was struck blind and Elisha and the boy just stroll on through. Man, it's crazy. Ah, and on and on and on. You'll read these stories. Lame walking, blind seeing. These are... This is the real kingdom reality. Lame walking, blind seeing, mute speaking, deaf hearing, dead rising, demon eyes set free, seas parting, storms calming, bread falling from heaven. Still one of my favorites. Man walks on water, kingdom realities. And you and I, at some point in time, we bought into that because we believe. We're like, oh, Jesus is different. Like what he's speaking got to my heart. He's, I'm going to give my life. That's why you're at church. You come together. You can be doing a thousand things on a Sunday morning. But something in you stirring your heart going, he's different, Jesus is different. And so we read these stories and we're like, yes. But then when we try to implement them in our own kingdom realities, or our own mindsets, or our own lives, we're like, I just don't know if he can do it. I just don't know if the blind can see. I just don't know if the deaf can hear. I just don't know if bread can fall from heaven. Because all of us in this room today need to look up. What's my point? Don't give up. What your eyes may see and your mind may comprehend doesn't stop the kingdom of God. 1 Corinthians 2.9 No eye has seen, no ear heard, no heart can imagine what God has prepared for those, what? Who love Him. For those who love Him. So why do we go through the challenges? I'm going to wrap up with this. Why do we go through the challenges then? Listen to this. We go through the challenges because if we didn't go through challenges, we would never look up. If I didn't ever have a challenge in my life, man, I'd be right here. The world's good. I don't need Jesus. I don't need to look up. 
I don't need his kingdom. I've got everything I want right here. If we never went through challenges, we never have to look up. But when we go through challenges, get to what we do in life. We look up. Listen, one of my favorite verses in 2 Corinthians verses, uh, chapter 1, verse 8. It's where we got our name Reliance. It's part of where we got our name Reliance from. Paul and his companions are going through a ton of stuff. He says, I don't want you to be aware, unaware, brothers, of the affliction we experienced. So they're going through tremendous things on their missionary journey. We were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. They were like, we wanted to give up. It wasn't just one thing. It was thing after thing after thing after thing after thing hammering me down. And here's what he says. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death. God checked it off. Paul's dead. His companions are dead. We must have received that sentence from the Lord. But look what he says. But that, but that, that, that destruction we felt, that, that hurt that we felt, that trial that we were going through, that hardship that we were in, that affliction, but that was to make us rely. Somebody say rely. Not on ourselves, but on God who raised us the dead. That right there changed Paul's perspective. He looked up, he got a heavenly perspective, and this is what he thought. No matter what happens to us, we serve a kingdom with a king that can raise the dead. And the king of the kingdom always gets to set the reality. Amen? And then he says these words. He delivered us from that deadly peril. He will deliver us again. On him we have set our hope that he will deliver us again. This is the perspective that Paul got. We were so utterly destroyed. We felt like we had a sentence of death. And then a revelation came. Look up. There's a reality of the kingdom that gave me a new mentality that the God of the universe can raise the dead. There's a reality of the kingdom that gave me a new mindset that God delivered us from this. He's going to do it again. So now every trial that comes my way, I'm going to put my hope in Him. Every trial that comes my way, I'm going to put my trust in Him. Church, it's time to look up. It's time to look up. And there's a new reality that's dawning right now in your heart. You can chalk it up in your marriage. You can chop it up, chalk it up in your individualism. You can chalk it up in your addiction. You can chalk it up with wayward kids. You can chalk it up in your depression and anxiety. Whatever it is that you're going through right now, there's a new reality dawning. It's time to look up. So we're going to sing this song together. We're going to open the altar. You come if you want to come. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray a new reality, a new kingdom mindset hits this body of believers, this family, in a powerful way, God. I pray you would give us heaven's perspective. I pray you would give us kingdom mindsets. And I pray that we'd be kingdom reality people. Get us out of this simulator of life where we feel all the feels, but we know, we know who you are, Jesus. Thank you so much for tuning in for today's word. We hope that it continues to encourage you and bless you as you go about your day-to-day. And until then, we will see you next Sunday. Have a great week.